Welcome to today's Christian Summons. Today's topic is understanding repentance by Pastor Frederick Leton. Listen and be blessed. Hallelujah. I'll be speaking to us this morning about repentance. Understanding what repentance is. What does it mean to repent? What does it mean to accept or to receive this grace? Hallelujah. The Bible says in second in Timothy rather chapter 2 verses 11 it says for the grace of God has been revealed hallelujah this grace has been what has been revealed the grace of God has been revealed bringing salvation to all people and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures we should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. Hallelujah. The grace of God. This grace is from God. The origin of this grace is from God. And what the Bible says is that this grace has been revealed to us, all of us. There's no man that has an excuse that he has not in any way, we say that in this room, rather, that he has no knowledge of that grace. And what does this grace do? It brings salvation to all people. This salvation is for everyone, everybody, all nations, all tribes, all tongues. And what this grace does is that the grace instructed us. It instructs us. And our translation will say that teaching us is teaching us, is training us to do what? To turn from what? From godless living and sinful pleasure. And in another translation, it says, For the grace of God, and this is the grace, His unmerited favor. This grace is an unmerited favor and blessing. It's a favor that you did nothing to, to deserve it. Hallelujah. It's a grace that. You cannot do anything to earn it because you don't have the capacity to earn it. And what it does is that God gives us free. He says it's an unmerited favor and blessing has come. It has appeared for the deliverance. This is what it came to do. It came to deliver us. This grace came to deliver us from sin and eternal salvation for all mankind. And then it has trained us to reject and renounce all ungodliness, irreligion, and worldly passion, desires to live discreet, temperate, self-controlled, upright, devoted, spiritually whole lives, not in another world to come, not in heaven. Hallelujah. In this very, very evil world. So it is possible to live a righteous life in this world because we have something or someone that is at work in us that is able to empower us to live godly lives in this world. So this grace, this unmerited favor of God is encapsulated in the person of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So when we receive Jesus Christ, we receive this grace. When we receive Jesus Christ into our lives, what happens is that we receive this investment of God into our lives. So every man and woman that has received Christ has the ability to live above sin. And to live above sin is not in the world to come. It's not when we see him that we live above sin. No. It says in this very present age, in this present world that we are, some translation will call the world the evil world. Hallelujah. So God expects that even in this evil world, we should live above the standards of the world. Because he has given us something that can enable us to live above the standard of this world. In the darkness of this world, he expects us to shine as light. Our lives should radiate the, the, the grace and the mercy of God in our lives. Because he has given us an unmerited favor and blessing, he expects us to do what? To shine the light in this present world that we live. So I want to announce to you that you have everything it takes to live above sin, to live above that addiction. To live above that bad habit. To live above every single thing that is a limitation 
believe above everything that limits you from coming into communion with God. He has given you the resources and every investment you need. Now, every man that encounters this grace must have a change in the trajectory of his life. Every single man that encountered genuinely encountered this grace, there's a change in the direction of his life. And if you are here and you've encountered this grace and nothing has happened to your life, then indeed you've not encountered this grace. Hallelujah. There must be a change that happens from inside out. This change does not come from outside. The world wants to compress us from the outside. But what God does is that he changes us from the inside. That's the most powerful change that can happen in a man. And we can see biblical examples of men. When they encounter this grace, this grace is a person. Because he teaches, hallelujah. He empowers, he strengthens, he enables. So he's a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. Amen. So when Zacchaeus, in Luke chapter 19, verse 1 to 10, encountered Jesus, there was a change in the perception of his life. I don't know whether the media team can give us Luke chapter 1, verse, verse 8 to 10. Verse 8 to 10. Let's look at what happened to him from verse 8 to 10. When Jesus encountered him, something happened. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Verse 9. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for so much as he also is a son of Abraham. Verse 10. For the son of man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Hallelujah. When he encountered Jesus, he changed the trajectory of his life. The things he used to do before, there's a move within him that makes him to say, listen, I will no longer live this way any longer. And if there be any man I've have duped before, I will repay back. Hallelujah. And then, of course, we know the story of Paul on his way to Damascus to persecute believers. When he had an encounter with this grace, with this light, something happened in his life. It's a change that has occurred in his life. And he no longer persecuted the church. He became an apostle that God used so much to propagate the very message that he was against. That is what happens when we encounter this grace. That is what happens when we encounter this light. That is what happens when God comes into your life. That is what happens when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. And if you've, you've professed Christ and then there's nothing at all that has happened in your life, we can't even trace the ends. There's no even desire in you to live right. Then permit me to say that nothing has really happened yet. Hallelujah. Because, of course, it happens from the inside. But with time, we see the visible manifestation of what? Of the thing that God has done in your life. You cannot hide it. So as I'm speaking to you, you should be examining yourself according to the scriptures. Has something happened to me since when I began, began this journey? Since when I came to faith, can I pinpoint and say there is, there's a progression in my life? Have I changed? Is there, a, is there a sense of repentance in my life? We read from the book of Matthew when John the Baptist was, was talking to, 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 to the Jews. He said that they should repent and let their repentance be seen in the fruits. Repentance must have fruits for men to see. Hallelujah. So Christianity is not only the thing of the heart. It begins from the heart, but it doesn't stay in the heart. Hallelujah. Men must see that really God is doing something in your life. Let the light so shine, right, that men will see and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So, don't give excuses that, no, it's not, it's not about what I think or how I look. Of course, what you look doesn't matter to God. Amen? But it matters to people. And God has placed a demand on your life. And the demand is that your life must reflect him. Your life must reflect the work that he's doing inside you. Hallelujah. And then Acts chapter 19 verse 20. We see here 
that the Jews, when they had the gospel, they encountered the light of the gospel. They were revealed the grace of God. The Bible says that they brought all their books, the books they used for enchantment, the books they used for witchcraft, all their witchcraft utensils, and they gathered them and they burned them. They no longer want to associate to those things. This is, this is a proof. This is a sign that something has really happened. What have you let go? What have you let go? What have you released out of your life for the sake of what God has done in your life? Is your conversion, is your, is your, is your conversion genuine? Is this something that is genuine? Is this something that indeed you can pinpoint and say, this is what God has taken, this is what has happened in my life? When men encounter the light of the gospel, they repent. Hallelujah. When men encounter the light of the gospel, what happened to them? They repent. And I want us to, 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 to look at these scriptures. Matthew chapter 3 verse 1. We see that this was a center of of. John's ministry, the message of repentance. That was a focal point. Calling men unto repentance. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of, the, of Judea. And what was his message? Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hallelujah. Repent, for the kingdom of God is what is here, or is present, is within, is around. For you to come into the experience of what is obtainable in the kingdom of God, there must be repentance. Hallelujah. Without repentance, you can never enjoy the fullness of the things that are in the kingdom of God. In fact, you cannot even come into the kingdom of God without repentance. It's impossible. Verse 8. Bring forth therefore fruits meet for what? For repentance. And he was speaking this to the Jews, the Pharisees who have who are teachers of the law who in their own capacity, you know, they believe that they are sons of Abraham. They believe that they are the heaven is theirs. They hold the gates to heaven. Repentance also was the center of Jesus' message. Jesus' uh, ministry. Jesus began first his public sermon by preaching about repentance. Matthew chapter 4 verse 17. Matthew 4 verse 17. From that time, this was the first message Jesus preached. He says what? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is what? Is at hand. So why is the message of repentance not the, not the key? Why is it not really something that is a very integral part of the church today? The reason why repentance is neglected is because men love darkness. Hallelujah. Men, they enjoy their darkness. And they don't want anything that will come to to challenge where they are, what, what comfort they are enjoying in where they are. Apostle Peter also called the people to repentance after accepting the gospel. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Acts chapter 2, 37 to 39. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. What did they hear? They heard the gospel, they heard the message. Repentance can only come through the preaching of the message. Hallelujah. They were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? The next verse. That's it. 
Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remissions of your sin, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. 39. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God has called. Hallelujah. Now, repentance doesn't just happen only when you hear the word and then you are pricked in your heart. There are people that when they listen to messages, they can cry. Oh, this message is powerful. This message, you know, you, you, you easily can break, break into tears because the message is powerful. That speaks your heart. You feel emotionally moved by the word, but that is not repentance. Amen. Repentance is not only feeling. You feel bad. You feel remorse for your sins. If you catch a thief right-handed stealing, you will feel remorse. In fact, he will repent. He will, you will even pity him because the way he will cry, but release him, you will go back and steal. Hallelujah. So feeling remorse or sorry for what you did is not repentance. Hallelujah. It begins from there, but it doesn't stop there. There must be a word, a turnaround. There must be a change that will happen in your life to prove that word. That you've, that you've repented. There must be a turnaround in your life. There must be a change that happened in your life. And this repentance is not what God will come down and do. God does not, you know, make you repent. You repent. The responsibility of God, you know, is to ensure that the Holy Ghost brings the message clear, that you understand, to a place of understanding, and then you, you, you partake in it by what? By accepting the message, and then what? And making a U-turn in your life. Hallelujah. So repentance is key. So what then is this repentance? I don't want to go into any so much of Greek and Hebrew. But it means to think differently. Or afterwards. That is to reconsider morally. To feel compunction. And the KJV, it is, you know, represented about that four times in the New Testament in the KJV. means to have a rethink. It means to have a different mindset. You know, it means to make a change. It begins in the mind, right? It, it begins from the inside. Then we see it practical happening in your life. I want us, I don't know whether the media team can help us with this Matthew 2, 3, verse 8 in the Amplified. Let's look at what it means in the Amplified. Matthew 3, Verse 2, and then we jump to verse 8. Let's, let's read it in Amplified and see what it means. It says, repent. And what that repentance means, what? To change your inner self, your old way of thinking. Amen? It means to do what? Your inner, your inner thinking, your thinking faculty. Regret past sins is part of it, but it's not the only thing. Amen? Live your life in a way that proves repentance. Seek God's purpose for your life. That is what repentance means. And what is God's purpose for your life is that you know him. Hallelujah. Is that you come, in a, you come into fellowship with him. So he was calling them to change their inner self. Their old way of thinking. Their old way of thinking. Not to only feel remorse for their way of thinking, but to make a change. Verse 8. Let's look at verse 8. So produce fruit that is consistent with repentance, demonstrating what? New behavior that proves a change of heart and a conscious decision to turn away from sin. Hallelujah. So you don't repent accidentally. You consciously, deliberately make a turn away from sin. So you cannot be born again and then you are not deliberate and consciously about turning away from sin. It's impossible. Hallelujah. Your repentance must be authentic. Because there is what we call false repentance. Hallelujah. We'll look at that later. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Let's look at it in the Amplified also. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. We're trying to understand what this repentance is. And Peter said to them, repent. Look at the way it's put in the bracket. It says, change your old way of thinking. Turn from your sinful ways. Accept and follow Jesus as what? As the Messiah. 
every man is born and positioned in a, in, in a capacity that he does not accept God as, as God. He rejects God. The default setting of man is to reject God. And that is what gives birth to every single thing we see, every sin, other sins we see, sins that happen in the physical that we see, we can name them. There must be a word, a change, a change your old way of thinking. That is why the Bible will tell us to renew our mind, right? Be transformed by the renewal of our mind. Repentance means to make a U-turn. Please, yes, the slides. To have a renewed, a, a turn. A turn from the direction you are going to, and then you make a turn. Hallelujah. A change of course, the course of your journey. You don't longer continue to do the things you used to do before. But there is a turn that happens in your life, not 360. Amen? But a U-turn. Because light and darkness are in the opposite direction. Hallelujah. So all of us, we're going towards darkness, towards hell, towards destruction. And then we, we hear the word, the message, and then we do what? We make a U-turn. Hallelujah. Now, which comes first in salvation? Repentance. Or faith, which comes first. Sometimes in scriptures, we see people are called to repent. We saw it right in Acts 2, verse 7 to 41, where Paul was asking them to repent. Hallelujah. And then sometimes in scriptures, we see that people are called to believe. Acts chapter 16, verse 31, given that scripture, Acts 16, 31, where People are called to believe. Sometimes we see the gospel message is presented to people and they are asked to repent. Sometimes we see, and they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. So do I repent before I believe or I believe before I repent? Which one comes first? Which is more important? Which, which comes first in salvation? Then give us Mark chapter 1 verse 14 and 15. We see that repentance and faith are placed side by side. Amen? And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand. Is it? 14, not 41. 14. Mark 1, 14, 15. Now, after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and what? And believe the gospel. So, is it to believe? Is it to repent? Or to believe and repent? You cannot repent without believing. Hallelujah. And you cannot believe without repenting. Amen? It's like a conjoint twins. Depending on which side you are standing, is what you will see first. Amen? But it's what happens simultaneously. Dr. Sinclair says, in grammatical terms, then, the words repent and believe both function as a, as a what? The figure of speech in which a part is used for the world. Right? It's a figure of speech in which a part is used for the world. First, repentance implies faith, and faith implies repentance. One cannot exist without the other. Hallelujah. So when we are saying you should repent, what we are saying is that you should believe in Jesus Christ. And when we say you should believe in Jesus Christ, what we are saying is that you should repent. What about confessing our sins for salvation? John made the people to confess their sins. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5 to 6. We saw three rather. John was asking them to confess their sins. And so many times when we are Teaching and preaching, we ask people, confess your sin. Confess your sin so that you'll be forgiven. But really, is it the confession of sin that brings salvation to us? 
Is it when we confess our sin that God forgives us? Of course, if we read through all the Old Testament, we'll see where men confess their sins. Hallelujah. But the Old Testament ended in Matthew, Mark, John, and Luke. Hallelujah. Because at this time, Jesus Christ has not yet died. So the people can confess their sins. Amen? But in Romans chapter 10, give me Romans chapter 10 verse 9. Romans chapter 10 verse 9. People confess Jesus, not their sins. Hallelujah. What do we confess? We confess Jesus and, 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 and we are saved. Subtly, I believe that God is, is showing you something. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, not your sins. Hallelujah. What do you confess? The Lord Jesus. And then do what? And shall believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the death. Thou shalt be saved. Thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believed unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Hallelujah. So when you go to preach Christ to people, don't tell people to confess their sins. Confess it for what? Ask them to confess Jesus. In fact, even you, can you confess all the sins you've committed in this life? As a reason why God will forgive you. Hallelujah. What do we confess? We confess Jesus as the one that has come to take away our sins. Hallelujah. We confess Jesus as the one who has come to do what? To take away our sins. That we will have victory. That we will have peace. That we will have forgiveness of our sins. Hallelujah. Now I want to make an illustration and then we close. Just follow me keenly as I make this illustration. Roshegun, I want you to stand here. Yes. Hallelujah. Now, get me clear. I know you are going to heaven, right? There's nothing that can take you to hell. You can never go to hell. You are born again. But let's assume that this is hell. It's an assumption. Hallelujah. And this is heaven. Our default position is that all of us are destined for hell. Chris, Christopher, come. All of us begin life at a stage where we're headed towards destruction. Have this mental picture in your mind. Pastor Carson, help me with your muffler. Or rather, no, you have a jacket. So remove the jacket and hold it. Thank you. Just leave the muffler. We'll use his jacket. So, man's default position is what? Is that he's heading towards hell. Amen? We've already been judged. You are naturally born without the... No Keep just follow me as I'm going. We are naturally born, what? Not believing in Jesus Christ. Genesis chapter 5, verse 1 and 3 says, this is written, the written account of Adam's family line. When God created man, he made them in the likeness of God. This, this, this was how God created man. He created them male and female and blessed them and he named them mankind. This was the intent, this was the original intent of God, that he created them, what, male and female, after his own likeness and his own image, right? When they were created. Then when Adam lived 130 years, he, he had a son in his own likeness. In his own image, he named him what he said. So the man that Adam gave birth was no longer in the image of God because the man had seen. That was how we became sinners by default. That is how we were set on the trajectory towards going to hell. So no matter how morally sound and educated you are, as long as you've not come to Jesus Christ, you're headed towards destruction. Then Romans 5.12 says what? Therefore, just as sin came into the world, through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, 
because of because all sinned, all what? Sin we sin in Adam. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those, that is us. Now, this is us. Even over those who whose sin was not like the transgression of Adam. We that did not sin the similitude of, of Adam. We're headed towards destruction. We are going towards destruction. And a man that have not come to the truth, who have not accepted the truth of the gospel, is by nature destined for what? For wrath. Among them, we all once live in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we by nature, look at our nature without Christ. We what? Children of wrath. So if you are not born again, you are by nature a child of wrath, like the rest of mankind. You are already sentenced even before the judgment day. Romans 3.23 says what? For all have sinned, and we fall short of the standard of God. So man is condemned already. Hallelujah. We are judged already. For the wages of sin is what? Is death. That is a sentence for, for sin. And that sin means rejecting God. That is what sin is actually. Not fornication. Not killing. All those ones are sins with S. Sometimes we see in scripture it's, it's called sin. And sometimes we see sins as plural. Amen. Sin as a nature is resulted from rejecting God. So when a man rejects God, he can kill. He lives against the ordinances of God because he's rejecting God. So the wages of what of sin is what is that the penalty and God's word must stand because the penalty for sin for rejecting God is death. So all of us must die for our sins. There must be what there must be death for the sin that we are by default because of our Adamic nature. But free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. That is that that sinful nature is called is called what. Is called for the flesh sometimes in scriptures. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is what? Is anti God. You can never, no matter what you do, you cannot please God. You are hostile to God by nature. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it can never. So those who are in the flesh cannot please God. No matter what you do, you can't please God. Hallelujah. You can never please God. Even your tithes and offering cannot please God. So you steal, you kill, you do all sort of things. And then one day in your life, you are presented with the gospel. Hallelujah. At a certain stage in your life, you receive the gospel message as preached and believed. And what is that message you received? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So at this stage, you receive the message. Hallelujah. And what did you do? You believed the message. In him, you also, when you, were, when you had the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believe in him, were sealed the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of your inheritance until you acquire the position of it to the praise of the glory of God. Hallelujah. Now, when, you, when we are born, we are born with a nature. This nature is a sinful nature. Hallelujah. God can never forgive this nature. The sentence for this nature is death. Amen. So when you believe the message, what happened? This, this nature, which is sinful, which is eternally condemned already, which God can never forgive, is killed on the cross. Hallelujah. And then Jesus gives you the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. As a seal to prove the word that you are born again. Your, your destination was hell, but something happened on the line. Hallelujah. So, you are going this way, and what happened? There's a turn. 
Hallelujah. There is therefore now no condemnation for who? For those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Hallelujah. For sin. He condemns sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. In where? In us. So God has fulfilled it in us. Hallelujah. Who walk not according to the flesh. So we no longer walk according to the flesh. But we will begin to walk in the spirit. Hallelujah. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Hallelujah. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of where? Out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once we were not a people. Why? Because we were heading towards destruction. We were not once a people. But what happened? But now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy. But what have you received? You have received mercy. You can now walk and walk in Christ. Amen? You can now walk in Christ. You can now walk for Christ. Therefore, since we are surrounded, because you are not the only one. Hallelujah. So great a cloud of witnesses. The Bible says, let us lay aside every weight, because we are come with a lot of weight, right? Now, this nature gives birth to what? To some things. Let me, let me try something. Just hold this in your pocket. Don't mind about my illustration. This nature produces fruits. This key are different things you do. You steal, you kill, you jealous, you hate. Because there's a nature in you and you've repented and Christ is in you. You are looking towards Jesus, right? So the scripture says what? Let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus. So this is our focus. The founder and the perfecter of our faith. For who? For the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. Despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us lay every weight. Right? This one is tough. You drop it. Because where you are going to, you don't need these things. So as you are moving, you are dropping them. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen? Let us then with confidence draw near to who? To the throne of God. That we may receive mercy and find grace in time that we need. Even as we are going, the light of God right there is upon us. And we keep seeing the dirty things that are on our linens. Amen? And we keep dropping them day by day as we are moving. That is what we call what sanctification, right? At this stage, you are a beloved child of God. My children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Amen? But if anyone does sin, if, it didn't say you must, if in case in your walk towards God, you defaulted, what happens? You have an advocate. Who is where? Who is already with the Father in heaven? Wait there, he's already with the Father. Amen? But he has given you his spirit as a seal. Hallelujah. Now, we have an advocate already with the Father, Jesus the righteous. He is the word, the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandment, what is the commandment of God? That we should walk, we should believe, right, in him. Hallelujah. Beloved, we are God's children, and now, now, not tomorrow, Amen. Now we are the children of God. And what we will be has not yet appeared to us. But we know that when we see him, we shall be like him. Hallelujah. Because we shall see him as he is. Amen. So as we keep moving, what happened? One day we will see him and then we will come in total what? Union with him forever. Hallelujah. Now, with this understanding, I don't know where you stand. Right? In the line, in the history, in the... I don't know what part of the story do you stand in. Hallelujah. Keep standing here, but I want to show you something also. 
that happens in church. Give me this jacket. What happens in church is that many people have received, have had the message. This is what I call false repentance. Amen? You've heard the gospel and acknowledge it, but you refuse to believe or repent. These people, they know the message. They went out from us, but they were not of us. The journey continues. Amen? For if they had been one of us, they wouldn't have left us. Because they were never, they never believed. But we have them today in church with us. And some of them are sitting with us in church today. Hallelujah. They will have continued with us, but they went out and might not, and that, that it might become plain that they were all, that what? That they all are not of us. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even demons believe and they show that. So for you to believe that God exists, or Jesus Christ is the Son of God, does not, is not, it's nothing. Even demons believe that. So you can know the knowledge. In fact, a man going towards hell can preach the gospel. Hallelujah. A man going to hell can heal. A man going to hell can do ministry. A man going to hell can be in church, sing, shout, and jump, but his direction is towards hell because he has never what? He has never repented. Hallelujah. But what to you, scribes and Pharisees, because that is where they are headed. Right? Hypocrites. For you shut the kingdom of heaven. They block it. For you neither enter yourself nor allow others to enter. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourself. That's a pity for someone that is in church but is not born again. Preaching, doing evangelism. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my father, and the will of the father is that we change a sense of direction towards him. Hallelujah. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? But they are still going. But they prophesy in his name. He didn't say no. He didn't pro it's not juju they did. It's not witchcraft they used. They prophesied in his name. And cast out demons in your name. And do mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them that I never know you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So every single thing you do, even in the kingdom of God, without the acceptance of that message, without believing in that message that he has brought, is what? The Bible calls it lawlessness. Hallelujah. It's lawlessness. Go and sit down. Thank you. You're born again, right? Good. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to think. I want you to think. Does your life shows that you are born again? Does your life proves that you are headed towards heaven? A man, see, the difference between a man going towards heaven and a man, okay, a man that is already in heaven and a man that is in hell, both of them can sin. What do I mean they can sin? They can fall short. They can do some certain things. But that man does not have the nature of death in him because that nature has been dealt with. Justice has been passed on that word, on that nature. So the sin God forgives is his misdeed, not that nature. Because the judgment against that nature is death. That nature, God can never forgive that nature. That nature must die. Hallelujah. If that nature must not die, then Jesus never needed to come. So in him, that nature was destroyed. So when we believe, we trust in him, and that is appropriated unto our account, that nature ceases to exist in us, and the spirit of God begins to live in us, and we begin to do the things that God will want us to do. Hallelujah. 
So what is God calling us this year to do? Ephesians chapter 5. We'll do this last when we pray. Therefore, be imitators of God as their children. And work in love as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 3 now. But fornication, which characterizes the life of a man going towards hell and destruction. But fornication and all uncleanliness, all covetousness, Let it not even be named among you as is fitting for the sins. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of what? Of things. So these things are the things that characterize a life that is going towards destruction. That shouldn't be named among those that have repented. That shouldn't be heard among those that have come to the knowledge of the light. So as we keep walking, the Bible says that the path of the righteous is like a shining light. As the light of God shines our lives, we see the impurities in us. And what we do, we keep depending, we keep coming closer to the light. We keep beholding the light, we become the light. And every death we see, we take it off our lives. Hallelujah. For this, you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in what? In the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Sons of disobedience are those who refuse to acknowledge and accept Christ. These are the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Hallelujah. Why can we be partakers of them? Because they are going towards a different direction and we are going towards a different direction. So we cannot partake in their disobedience because we have been salvaged from that kind of a life. We've been saved from that kind of life. So as a believer, do you find yourself partaking in such mischievous attitudes, such mischievous activities of darkness? Verse 8, for we were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Work as what? children of light. We should walk as what? As children of what? Of light. That is our calling. That we should walk as children of light. If you've really come to that place where you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are called to walk as a child of light, not as a child of darkness. Finding, okay, for the fruit of the, of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. You cannot find what is acceptable to the Lord. We're going into darkness. But when, as you walk daily, you find out what is what acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. But rather, what do we do? As we come to the Lord, we expose them. Amen? We expose them. We expose the activities of darkness in our lives. He's not talking about other people. He's talking about your own life. We expose them. Hallelujah. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by men in secret. Those men. But all things are exposed and made manifest by the light. For whatever manifests is light. Right? Therefore, awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead and Christ will shine. Hallelujah. Let's rise on our feet. I'm nothing without you. Your grace, your grace shines on me. Shines on me, shines on me. I'm nothing. 
Now, if you are here and you've not truly, 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 genuinely in your heart, you don't know where you stand. You don't know where you stand. Whether you are going towards heaven or hell, whether you are born again or not, there is an opportunity for you to, to believe it now. There's an opportunity for you to make a change. There's an opportunity for you to make a, a, a U-turn in your life. There's an opportunity for you to make a, a change of direction. And the direction is to believe Jesus. And what do you believe about Jesus? That he came, he died for the forgiveness of your sins. That is a message that brings people to repentance. So I want you to just believe in your heart. Confess Jesus. Confess Jesus. Ask him for help. Ask him for grace. Ask him for help. Tell him how you've acknowledged how wrong you've been all these years. Even though you've been in church all these years. You've been doing service. You've been working. You were born in a Christian home. But to avert that judgment that you said, depart from me, you walk out of iniquity. God has opened your eyes today to see that it is him that you must believe in. And as a child of God, you are here and then you are walking towards God and then still you find yourself in things that is not expected that you should do as a child of God. The Bible says, come boldly before the throne of grace and obtain mercy. What you need to do is, Lord, I appropriate your mercy. The Bible says that his mercy is new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Nothing in this world can separate you from the love of God. Sins cannot separate you from the love of God. Because Jesus has died on the cross. He has brought us into fellowship with him. And now we are his children. So we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Speak to God and ask for mercy. Ask for grace to live the Christian life. Ask for grace to live the Christian life. Speak to God. I want to hear somebody speaking to God.